greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with David Putnam. Now, David writes the Bruno Johnson series, which is uh, going to be at nine novels here uh, coming in February uh, with his newest. Uh, He's also starting a new series. Uh, He'll talk about that during the interview. Uh, And uh, David is, uh, like myself, a former law enforcement officer. So there's a few other interesting things about David that you'll discover, but I'll let those be a surprise. Uh, Before we talk to David, I do want to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something you'd like, you can find out more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. All right, well, let's not waste any more time. Uh, Let's find out some more about uh, the interesting career, both uh, law enforcement and writing, uh, of David Putnam. Well, hey, David, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So um, it's pretty much impossible to get two retired cops in the same uh, room without uh, comparing notes. Uh, so let's, let's dispense with that requirement right away. <laughs> um, you, uh, are former law enforcement retired, correct? Right. And, uh, Los Angeles Sheriff's office or which agency did you serve with? I uh, started with a, with a small agency, a municipal police department. Then I laterally transferred to LA County Sheriff's and I did uh, four years there. Then I transferred to San Bernardino County Sheriff's where I did 22 years. I did 28 years total in Southern California then I retired um, and went to work as a special agent for the state of Hawaii for Hawaii Five O. Wow, that lot to to break down there. Reading your bio, it it's you've got a, just a, a wide array of jobs in law enforcement, and that's always been one of the things I think is pretty cool about the profession. You don't have to promote to do a different job. You can do a different job every couple of years and never leave the agency that you're with. And your resume, your job description certainly reflects that because you worked in all kinds of different areas of the department. That's correct. Yeah. I worked uh, narcotics, street level, mid-level uh, majors. I uh, worked uh, SWAT, two tours on SWAT, uh, violent crimes, uh, criminal intelligence, uh, internal affairs. Uh, then I promoted a sergeant, uh, supervised detective bureau, uh, worked the street as a supervisor. I, I had a great time. Loved it. I'd still be doing it if I wasn't so old and slow. <laughs> well, that sergeant's job, uh, I don't think people realize what a pivotal role that is in, in any law enforcement agency you know you, you're right there on the street with the guys pushing the cruiser or working the cases but you've also got you know a foot in 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 the leadership role and and you're getting it from upstairs too and nothing gets done if the sergeants aren't on board at least not in my experience that's very true it's one of the more difficult jobs because you're like a liaison between the street and uh, management you're kind of caught in a, a no man's land um, so that, that was what's most difficult about it. My experience as a patrol officer and as a detective was that a good sergeant makes for a good year, uh, makes all the difference in the world to the point where uh, people will follow a sergeant to a lousy shift to continue to work for that sergeant. Uh, it makes that big of an impact. That's true. You know, the, the, it, it's been so long since I've worked now. 
But uh, my best memories were with um, good patrol sergeants. But then you, you, I mean, you did a whole bunch of things and I, you know, I looked at that list and I thought about my own career and I was like, you know, there's a lot of similarities there, a lot of places that we, we both got the chance to work. Uh, but you did something pretty cool there with that special agent thing. I've never heard of that, uh, a special agent to the state of Hawaii. I mean, what is that exactly? It's a, um, the special agents for the attorney general's office. So uh, we would do conflict cases for the PD um, and we would just do any state kind of detective investigating. Um, anytime there's a, a crime on state property, when a crime spans multiple jurisdictions, uh, even though Honolulu PD is all of Honolulu, all of, of Oahu, there are other agencies at like Maui PD and Kauai, they're all separate. So if it, like I did a, a major real estate fraud that encompassed all the islands and uh, that's why, you know, we linked them all together. I linked them all together. Well, what a terrible place to land after a long career in law enforcement to have to go, I mean, suffer through the terrible, uh, you know, climate there in Hawaii and, and the people who are so unfriendly and, and the food, which is just disgusting. I mean, I mean, why did you do that to yourself? I mean, you must be a masochist or something. <laughs> My wife was born and raised there. And I was working in internal affairs, and it was the worst job that I ever had. Um, <laughs> so I, they, they promised me uh, they would. I'd work a year, then they'd promote me, and I it was a, past a year. And it, you know, I didn't mind doing the investigations, but it was the my friends that I were calling in and interviewing that um, I just didn't didn't enjoy that at all. So one day I was on a computer, and I just uh, on a whim just applied, and they they took me. So I retired at 50 and went to work in uh, Hawaii. Well, that is a, that's a story that should be held up to uh, ongoing law enforcement officers as a beacon of hope. Um, <laughs> I always yeah. felt like, you know, uh, you know, IA is what it is and it gets a bad rap. But when I stepped back and looked at it, I always felt like a, an investigator in internal affairs, if, if they're truly just, they're there to investigate, you end up bailing more cops out of trouble than anything else because your investigation tends to clear them uh, uh, definitively as opposed to, well, I think they didn't do anything wrong. No, here's the proof. And, you know, those people who are doing wrong, uh, other cops want them found out and and, and booted too. So, uh, you know, for all the strife and, and grief that we give IA, and I certainly do in my fiction, I, I'm willing to bet you do as well, There's they actually serve a pretty important purpose. Yeah, I agree. But there's a stigma and it's and it sticks, you know, the rap patrol and everybody everybody goes along with that stigma. Yeah, and your role changes how people treat you. I mean, I'm sure you noticed a, a, a change when you became a sergeant, and I noticed that as well. And, and and I remember when I first really noticed it was when I promoted to lieutenant and after a little while there were people coming on the job who only ever knew me as a lieutenant. So I didn't have that. I was side by side with you in the patrol car right, credibility right. with them. I was the, you know, the butter bar and, and so forth. And it was uh, the way they react is different for sure. If I had to do it again, I would, I would probably not promote the sergeant because I gave up my autonomy as a detective. I, I really liked doing my own investigations. And usually they put me in a position where I could pick and choose the investigations I wanted to do. I was cross-sworn as a U.S. Marshal at one time, and I did um, oh, wow. robbery and carjackings and uh, chase fugitives. It was the funnest time of my career. 
That does sound like fun. Uh, I, I remember I only spent two years as a, de- as a detective, but I did like that autonomy. I didn't get to pick and choose which cases to work, but I got to pick and choose how to work and how much to work and how to prioritize every single case they gave me. So that level of autonomy is, uh, you know, just that's people live for that and, and it's motivating. Yeah. And uh, one, one assignment I had, I worked um, on Ontario Airport on a task force with LAPD and DEA and um, San Bernardino County sheriffs. You know, I, when I was working undercover for nine, 10 years, I always wore the same thing, Levi's and a, well, a truck driver's shirt that says Carl and Grace Trucking on it. And so I would sit in the airport doing my crossword puzzle, just sitting in one of the regular seats and watching people. And that was one of the funnest jobs because it's like fishing. You just watch them, people go by, and you, you spot somebody, <laughs> you go up and talk to them. It, it, was a, it was a great time. You know, we're just scratching the surface of interesting stories and interesting experiences. Uh, And luckily for people out there after you retired, uh, well, actually, uh, if I'm reading your bio right, it started while you were still on the job, uh, but that you've brought these types of experiences uh, to to the written page. Yeah, that's correct. Um, Each one of my books is a snapshot of, of a section of my career. Uh, for instance, The Reckless was when I was working bank robberies, chasing bank robbers. And it was also uh, one of my more emotional books because a good friend of mine was uh, killed in line of duty. And I put that in the book. Um, the Heartless is where there was an organized escape out of Samuel County Sheriff's Jail, where these murder suspects got with their girlfriends and the girlfriends brought in Black and Decker cordless drills and they drilled out the visiting window. And there were six murder suspects that escaped all at once. Um, that's what that book is about. And there were some pretty brutal murders, too. So uh, they pulled me off the airport and put me back in Fugitive to uh, chase those guys. Um, then there's The Innocence. The Innocence was my first day as a detective uh, in narcotics. So each book has, and I put a lot of actual stories that actually happened to me. And in the back of the book, um, under the author's note, I explain which, what was real and what wasn't. Well, when people read crime fiction written by former law enforcement or current law enforcement, uh, I think one of the things they're looking for is exactly that, that extra bit of authenticity. And whether you as the author clarify this really happened, this didn't, this was based on something that really happened. This is the kind of thing that happened all the time. I mean, even if you don't explain that, it's so implied that, you know, I think people really, really dig that authenticity and, and kudos to you for breaking it down for people to, to be able to know for sure. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, and I, and I get a lot of questions. People ask, um, aren't you afraid of getting sued writing the real thing? And I, I just reply that crooks don't usually read. <laughs> crooks don't read. <laughs> and what are they going to sue you for? It's not like yeah. you're making the story up. In fact, that's what you're saying is I didn't make this up. All right. Uh, so, but it all started with the disposables, and that kind of is the origin story, I guess, for for Bruno Johnson. And for those people out there who haven't read any of David Putnam's books, how would you set up the origin story for Bruno? Well, the the, the series Bruno Johnson is an ex cop, ex con, who rescues children from toxic homes in South Central Los Angeles. He couldn't rescue him when he was a cop because there's too many rules and regulations. Now that he's not a cop, he goes outside the law to rescue these children. And each each book, he rescues um, children or uh, in, endangered uh, people. And is it too much of a spoiler to say how he became an ex-con? Because the ex-cop part's pretty 
pretty straightforward, but somehow he ended up going uh, to, to jail or prison maybe. Yeah. Um, and it is a spoiler, but uh, he rescues children because he had such an emotional trauma with his own family, um, his daughter and his son-in-law. And his son-in-law actually abuses his grandson to the point of, of killing him. And that's what puts Bruno on this path to, of redemption and to um, recover other children under, in the same circumstances. I was writing since 1989, and I was on my 38th manuscript when I sold um, the disposables. Uh, so it took me a while to learn the craft and get to, get to a level that I could sell it. Well, that series is up to nine books now out from Ocean View. Um, and the newest one will be coming out in February of 2022, and it's called The Sinister. A couple of things about that. Uh, one, I guess, is some great news. It, it got a starred review in Publishers Weekly. Yes, I was very excited about that. Um, I've been taking Publishers Weekly for 25 years, and I always dreamed about getting a just a review in Publishers Weekly. And Ocean View is really great about that. I've, been, I'm getting, I've gotten a review in all the books but this is the first starred review. Publishers likely really, really like this book. And so what is, is this one about? Um, this one is about the, what happened was I, I wrote four books in, in current day. Uh, one through four was uh, Disposables, Replacements, Squandered, and Vanquished. And Vanquished, I'm pretty, I mauled Bruno. He was shot up, mostly broken. And a publisher said, I don't know where you're going to go with it after this. How are you going to bring him back? So I thought about that, and so I decided to do four prequels. So the Innocence, um, the Reckless, the Heartless, the Ruthless um, are all prequels. Then the, the Sinister is the first one that I come back to current day. So it actually, it, linear, linearly wise, it comes after uh, the, the Vanquished, chronologically. And it's about a kidnapping, and Bruno had befriended um, – an FBI agent and the FBI agent's uh, granddaughter was kidnapped and FBI did everything they could to recover the child. And they figure that she's already been killed um, because so much time has passed. And so his friend comes to him and says, I want you to hunt these guys down. And so Bruno does it as a favor to him to hunt down these people that uh, kidnapped his daughter. Wow. Uh, that is uh, coming out in February. Uh, from Ocean View Publishing. Uh, probably a question you get a lot, but uh, it, I would be irresponsible if I didn't ask it. And that is Bruno Johnson, David Putman, how much of the latter is in the former? <laughs> well, I write it in first person. So his voice is my voice, I think. You know, it's he does the stuff that I would, I did, or things that I would have done if I could have, <laughs> and I couldn't. Ocean View also just uh, bought two more books in the Bruno series that are already done, um, and I'm finishing a third one. So there's three more, at least three more books coming out in the Bruno Johnson series. The Scorn comes out the next, the following year, and then the fall, after that, um, the Scandalous, I think, is coming out. So there's three books. Uh, also, I have a new series with another publisher that the first book in the series comes out in July. And it's called Fearsome Moonlight Black. Wow, that's a cool title. Uh, what publisher is that coming out with? Uh, Level Best Books. Ah, yeah. 
Well, uh, you had a 28-year career in law enforcement. Uh, there's a lot of folks toiling away in that field today, looking toward retirement, not sure when to pull the plug, if you know what it's going to be like, all of that. I always tell people there is life after law enforcement. Retirement is grand. Uh, can I get an amen or would you disagree? You know, um, I really love my job and I still dream about it. I, I still think about doing the job. I, I had a great time. So it's, it's hard. Um, <laughs> so I was writing and it, it took two years. I mean, it really took me two years to settle down afterward. I've been retired uh, 10 years now. And it took me a while to, to get out of that mindset because it is definitely a mindset being a, being a cop because I, I was a cop off duty as well as on duty. Of course, and I had, yeah. to break that, I had to break that chain and that took a while. Yeah, there's definitely um, that hypervigilance does not entirely go away. I've been retired since 2013 and my wife still asks me which seat I want when we go to a restaurant, you know, just out of habit. And, yeah. and, and yeah, you do miss it. And I think I, I would liken it to uh, what you hear a lot of athletes say after they retire from the game. They miss the game, but more than the game, they miss the guys or gals that they played with. You know, they'll be in, in the locker room, being part of the team. And I think I miss that more than the actual work. Although I enjoyed the work, don't get me wrong, but uh, it was the camaraderie I think that was was really number one. And people don't understand that the camaraderie is a lot closer in that job. You get closer to people because of the things that you're doing uh, side by side with them. So it is definitely a more intense relationship. Well, you haven't been sitting still. You've been writing and and clearly uh, doing a lot of that. Uh, but a, a couple little tidbits off your website about your post-retirement life that I found interesting. One is that you are growing organic California avocados. Is that still true? Well, uh, we live on an av- avocado grove and we bought another 11 acres. And that's what I was going to do when I retired until I sold the first Bruno book uh, 10 years ago. Um, and I got so busy with that, I, I leased the grove out to the grover that was working it with me. Um, so we still live and eat avocados. Um, <laughs> we monitor for the grove, but um, marketing is a full-time job. And the sure. year before COVID, we did um, 60 events in one year. So it, it's, it would be difficult for me to run an avocado grove with that kind of schedule. But you could still walk out and pick an avocado and have it with dinner. Yeah, exactly. We also have persimmons <laughs> and, uh, and pomegranates. And you and your wife, who very much uh, seems to be a full partner, not just in life, but in the business, you uh, you guys have uh, a few dogs there, too. And uh, as a fellow dog lover, I'm um, just curious, what kind of dogs you have? We have uh, four dogs, and uh, two of them were cast off, dogs that people didn't want. Um, one is a half shepherd, half uh, golden lab with a great personality. Um, he's the biggest dog we have. We have to have dogs too because the coyotes come in onto our grove and uh, gnaw on the, the irrigation. And if you if you don't catch that, it'll actually, the tree will dump all the fruit if it's a hot summer and you're down one day without irrigation. So the dogs run them off. We have a German short hair pointer that we got from rescue. He was dumped off in the night box as a puppy, and he is a great dog as well. We have a purebred Queensland healer. We have an, a miniature Australian shepherd. 
the German point, short hair pointer um, came with, with a special bonus. He um, spots r- rattlesnakes for us. And he barks. <laughs> he barks and bays until we come out and kill the rattlesnake. And he keeps the other dogs away from it. It's really a awesome. fantastic that's yeah. awesome. I hate snakes. And so uh, I, I, that's my new, my new favorite dog that isn't my own. We had a couple of uh, uh, healer mixes and uh, they were rescues too. They were dumped off like you, you're talking about. Uh, we unfortunately lost one of them uh, day after Christmas last year. Uh, still have the his brother and he's laying right here about a foot away from me. Uh, pro- probably going to get up and flap his ears and, and, and make noise that I can't edit out of the show anytime now. But uh, <laughs> he's he's my buddy. They're great. Dogs are great. And it sounds like they've got a great setup there at your place. Yeah. Yeah, we have, we have a cross fence. So they stay in our yard during the day. And then at night we let them out on a grove to... Uh, roam and chase whatever they could find uh all right so new book coming out in february new series coming out in july you know you're, you've got your website davidputnambooks.com if people want to find out more uh what if they want to meet you um we post events on the website uh we'll be doing book signings at uh, barnes and nobles we're doing a mini book tour on the east coast in florida in march we're gonna right now we have a couple of bookstores uh, signed up the number one bookstore and murder on the beach bookstore uh, in March. So if you're in, in that area, uh, drop in and say hi. One's in Sarasota and one's in Delray beach. Cool. I uh, actually, uh, I, I've been to Sarasota best Cuban, the sandwich, yeah. best one I've ever had, best, <laughs> which makes sense. I suppose. The, the publisher is in Sarasota, I think. So we're going to visit oh. the publisher the first time as well. That's pretty cool. All right, folks. Well, the author is David Putnam. Uh, the series is the Bruno Johnson series with the new book, The Sinister, uh, number nine in the series, coming out in uh, February 2022 from Ocean View Publishing. Uh, you can find out more at davidputnambooks.com. And of course, you can always find his work on Amazon and elsewhere online. Uh, David, I want to tell you thanks for coming on the show. And uh, hey, thanks for your service to the community there in Southern California. And, you know, Sadly, I know you struggled with it, but also in Hawaii. Thank you very much for having me. All right, folks, there you go. David Putnam. I told you that it was an, uh, he was an interesting guy. Uh, what a cool career. Uh, I'm jealous of some of the things he got to do. Getting to go to Hawaii and, uh, and all of that uh, just is, is super cool. Uh, I'm glad he came on the show and I got a chance to meet him. Uh, on the next episode of Wrong Place or Right Crime, we are going to talk to Quay Quarty. And when I say we, I mean my friend, the author and podcaster, John Hoda. Uh, John has his own podcast uh, that uh, you'll find out more about next week. He joined me to, to co-host the feature episode for February, and he chose a very interesting guy, uh, Quay Quarty and uh, conducted the interview, and uh, then he and I put together the show. Uh, So I think you're going to enjoy both the interview and my co-host, John Hoda. That is next episode on Wrong Place or Right Crime. Quick Zafiro update for you. I have three quick items to mention to you. One is that a grifter song continues. Uh, The second episode of the season, episode 23, Diamond Dogs by Gabriel Valjean, is available. And uh, $2.99 from... uh, down out books of course the previous 22 are also available uh for a digital download or if you're in kindle unlimited you can read them for free 
Uh, secondly, the anthology that I've been mentioning on this program since the end of December is finally out, To Serve, Protect, and Write. Uh, an anthology that consists of law enforcement officers who either are writing while they're on the job or who have become writers after retiring. And all of the stories are uh, police-centric. Uh, my contribution is actually the very last story of the anthology. It's called The Last Cop. Uh, and it's a little bit of a futuristic, dystopian view of law enforcement. So that is out now. It's available on Amazon, edited by A.B. Patterson, uh, who actually maintains a database of uh, cops who are crime fiction authors. So if you're interested in finding some more folks like David Putnam uh, or myself, you can uh, go to A.B. Patterson's website and uh, check out the Crime Squad. Uh, lastly, just a quick note uh, that on the 14th of February, hey, that's Valentine's Day, uh, my novel Waste Deep uh, is going to be on promotion. You can actually pick it up free on Amazon from the 14th to the 18th of February, 2022. So grab that while you can. Uh, if you happen to be listening to this outside of that window, uh, don't worry. Uh, it goes on sale frequently, uh, or some book or other does, and they're all very reasonably priced anyway. All right. I want to say a thanks to David Putnam for coming on the show, sharing some of his stories to Down and Out Books for sponsoring the show. And of course, as always, to you, the listener, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking it out. Uh, if this Bruno Johnson series sounds interesting to you, please give it a try. I will be here next week along with John Hoda uh, for the interview with Quay Cordy. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime. <laughs> <laughs>